everybody, welcome to Frequent Flyer here on Brotherly Pod. Trying some new things out here. It is season three of Brotherly Pod. Technically, it's been season three since the week after free agency. That's usually when we uh, switch seasons. But considering the actual hockey season is on the horizon, ten days away uh, as of this recording, uh, we're getting a little closer to the actual, you know, Season 3 content here in Brotherly Pod. So we're trying some new uh, pairings out, some new people. Got a bunch of new shows coming for you. And uh, making some improvements here for Season 3. So, it, this show was originally supposed to happen later in the week. Um, but due to some scheduling conflicts with Anthony. And quite frankly, I did not want to wait any longer to talk about the greatest defenseman of all time being the greatest winger of all time now. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, let's introduce the new co-hosts of the new show, Frequent Flyer. Uh, Manny uh, Benavidez is here. Manny, how you doing? Hey, guys. What's going on? Happy New Year. Hopefully 2021 is good for both of you and for all the listeners out there. I I hope. I mean, it can't get much worse, right? You would think. Knock on wood, we, we're, we're Flyers fans. They can always get worse. That is true. And uh, making his full-time return to Brotherly Pod, Mike Aceto is back. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing so good. It is great to be with you guys today. That it is. That it is. A full-time co-host for a while. Uh, missed most of last year. Came back a few weeks ago, and uh, you were alerted us that you could be here more frequently again. So we're going to try something new out. And uh, frequent flyer. New intro music and everything. Worked on that this morning, so there we go. And as I alluded to earlier, we got some news to talk about. Maybe the biggest news, literally and figuratively, uh, being Samuel Moran is now a left wing. <laughs> now listen, I may be his biggest fan ever, which is probably true. And even I did not expect him to ever play forward. But he's conquered the position of defense. No more he can prove back there. So he's getting converted to forward for a new challenge. I assume in four or five years' time, he's going to break Gretzky's goal-scoring record. And then I'll move to goalie to try and claim that title as well. So we can get all three of them. But uh, a very interesting move overall. You know, A.V. and Fletcher talked a lot about the team being soft during the postseason. And when I read that quote, I was jumping up and down for joy that they recognized this team is soft recognized that they needed some help, they needed some physicality, and you don't need to go out and check the free agent market for a Corey Perry or Matt Martin or whatnot when you have one of the meanest motherfuckers in the league already under contract in Samuel Moran. Now, obviously, there's no room for him on defense, given, you know, they retained Haig, they retained Braun, fucking Shane Goss's bear is still here, and they signed Gustafson. So not a lot of room for him back there. So they put him up to left wing. More than likely will filter out on the bottom line uh, with, you know, <laughs> the 12 other bottom stickers they have on the team right now. So a whole lot going on there. Uh, Mike, what were your first thoughts <laughs> on the Sam Moran transition? Well, it sure was a surprise, Dan, to hear the news that they are changing his position. Obviously, a lot of us had been somewhat joking about Ghost moving up to wing over the years, and uh, this was probably the most out-of-left-field move that I could imagine with Big Sam uh, here. And, you know, when I look at this, it's it's shocking, but at the same time, 
you think of some of the positive attributes that Moran can bring to the game. Obviously, you mentioned physicality. That's a huge one. But he also does a couple of other things really well that I've seen over the years, including his straightaway speed is excellent. Obviously, he has one of the biggest reaches in the game, Chara-esque, um, Alexiak-esque. And he he wins puck battles. Um, he's able to go into the corner and 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 clear the body out and win the puck. Uh, and that's something that this team has struggled with mightily. I can't, you know, I can't say how many times over the years we have said this team is horrible in 50-50 battles, always losing pucks along the side. And to see somebody like Warren get in there and maybe change that dynamic, I think that is another huge thing that he could offer here. He's, you know, he's not going to be weaving through defenders or anything like that. But in terms of doing the dirty work, he's the kind of guy that the Flyers may need. And if they can make him into a competent left wing, again, not doing all of the finesse things, but doing the dirty work, I really do see a place for him um, in the bottom six here. Yes, I'm torn. I, On the one hand, I'm happy for the guy because he's finally going to, you know, scratch out an existence on this roster. Um, and as much as all the Gosses Bear apologists want to say that he's been misused and mishandled, I mean, really, with the exception of the injuries, Sam Morant's had a really tough time uh, trying to get an opportunity to break into this lineup on defense. So on that part of it, I, I know that he's working hard. He's been at the, you know, skate zone in Voorhees for, God, it seems like forever. Um, and it's a testament to his work ethic and how badly and his how big his desire is uh, that he wants to be a member of this team and to succeed and to continue on in his NHL career. But I, the skeptic in me says, look at the timing of this. They announced Sam Moran is as a left wing sort of, a, you know, remedy for the toughness situation for this team the day after Zdeno Chara signs with the Washington Capitals. And uh, I'm sorry, I think that that's a bit of a, a cop-out because it's the Flyers basically saying, you know, wow, we are going to get beat up. We're not tough enough. The playoffs prove that. And I know that everybody's, you know, rah, rah, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Let's go. Let's go. Woo. Everybody's on this, you know, the anchor and, and TK's the best player in the NHL. And I get that. And I'm not saying he's bad. But I at am. the same time, this team is flawed in terms of its physicality and in terms of what it can bring to the table physically. And just bringing up Sam Moran to play a left wing role on a fourth line, uh, is not going to solve that. It just isn't. I beg to differ. Moran will solve everything. They're, he's going to get the next C just for funsies. But he's joining a very packed bottom six, uh, which will consist of Raffle, Lawton, Abe Kubel, and as of right now, Farabee, uh, JVR. Uh, who the hell did I say? Lawton, Moran. I already fucked this all up. Raffle, Lawton, N-A-K. I've raffled twice. That's why this is all messed up. All right, there we go. I'm not stupid. It's just my notes are stupid. Uh, Moran, and then potentially Morgan Frost, and the other guy who we're waiting patiently for news on is Nolan Patrick's potential return. Uh, he's on the training camp roster, but not cleared. He's apparently getting his physical today. We'll know more at some point. As I <laughs> alerted the guys of the show, probably at 15 minutes after we go off the air, we'll figure it out. But uh, Mike does have a history of breaking some news on the show. I think Believe Konecki signed when we did the show live. 
I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it definitely happens. <laughs> it happens, and I believe uh, Anthony and I broke the uh, Matt Niskin retirement live as well. So we've had have had some good luck in the past with this. So, so maybe before we wrap up, we'll get some news on Patrick. But it's a pretty uh, pretty crowded bottom six there for Lawton to move into, and. I talked about this in an article the other day where I broke down the bottom six is it's very interesting that they have the players they do because they're all useful in one way or another. Frost, Patrick, and Farabee, you know, can all potentially be scorers. JVR, people tell me he scores gold, but I really haven't seen it since he came back. But then you got, you know, the good, solid pair of hands players in Raffle and Lawton. And now you have Moran as kind of the big physical guy. All Bacon Bell can do a little bit of everything. So they really have set their bottom six up pretty solidly to match any team that they face. If they need some more grit, then you can put in, you know, Moran and Abe Kubel. If you want some guys that just aren't going to make any mistakes, okay, maybe it's Lawton and Raffles night. If you need some scoring, then you can put out JVR and, and Farabee and hope for the best. So... They're giving themselves options, which I do kind of think is a smart move on, on Vigneault's part there. Yeah, and they're going to have some injuries as well. They always do. So factor in, you know, a couple of these guys may be out for some extended period of time. They have someone else that can fit right in. Um, also, the taxi squad is going to help uh, at least a guy like Moran because, you know, I think they have, what, like six days of actual on-ice time in training camp or something before their first game, or it's, it's something that's ludicrously low. So, you know, to expect a guy like him to come in and to kind of learn the position. I mean, he played when he was, what, like 13 years old or something, something like before. That, yeah. So he's his instincts have, have really not been trained for the forward position. So it's going to take him some time to kind of get the feel of the game down, understanding things. I think... One of his quotes was, um, I'm paraphrasing something about how the game has always been in front of him as a defenseman. And when you're a forward, you have to have your head a little bit more of in a swivel, look back, getting back on defense um, and covering open spaces. So that's going to be something that's going to take him some time, unfortunately. I mean, maybe the coaching staff is able to simplify his game, which is also something that Moran mentioned in his in his press conference about this, he's modeling his game after Matt Martin and he has been watching video of him and he just basically keeps it extremely simplistic. And that's what he's going to try to do. That may work. I mean, I don't know how simple you really can play when you are an NHL player. There's probably a lot to think about, a lot to do, but I mean, maybe the coaching staff can make him work sooner rather than later. There's still going to be an adjustment period, though, and I think in a 56-game season, there isn't really much time you know, to let people grow into their roles. They either have it or they don't, and I'm not saying that he doesn't have it because I want him to have it. Um, I just think that it's telling that the organization let uh, a whole bunch of other players pass him on the defensive death chart. And listen, it's not the organization's fault, and neither is it Sam Moran's fault, quite frankly. I mean, he was injured. He was hurt. Let's give him the benefit of that. Other players get that benefit, so why not apply the same logic to Sam Moran? But now you're basically getting an acknowledgement from the Flyers that there's way too many defensemen on this team. Thank you, Shane Goss-Bear. And 
you basically are moving this guy to a brand new position where he's untested, he's unproven, and it's unclear what impact he's going to make on this roster. The only real thing that we've been told is that he's going to drop the gloves and act physical and be this force out there, which we know he can do. But can he do it on a fourth line role with limited minutes? And by the way, I don't expect that he's even going to be playing the majority of the games. I still think that they're going to find other ways to get uh, Raffle in there. They're going to find other ways to get, you know, Bunneman in there or Twarinsky or Lazinski or whoever it is. There's just too many cooks in the kitchen in the bottom six for my liking. I think there's just too many, too many uh, soldiers and, uh, you know, not enough spots for those soldiers to be in. My counter argument for that would be, even after all these years, we still have no idea what Sam Moran can bring to the table. I mean, he's played about two dozen games in 17-18 you know, through various injuries. You know, he's still untested for what it's worth. And yes, he's moving positions. You know, there's enough of a uh, the benefit of the doubt there for me that I'm willing to give him a chance. Um, uh, there are a lot of people. And that, you know, I, I, again, I, I think in a positive light, gives them the options to move everybody around. But at the same time, there's just a whole lot of bodies down there. You know, alluded to Allison and Lazinski. Uh, who knows what becomes of them? You know, I think they are will more than likely make the taxi squad, quote-unquote, um, until we know for sure what the hell is going on with the AHL, uh, which there hasn't been any clear word on yet. Um, in a normal year, those two would probably get the, the Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost treatment from last year, which is you go down to the Phantoms, and if you impress, and you can come up. But in the meantime, you're just going to sit down there and cook. But yeah, I don't know what you do with the guys. You got a lot of bodies down there, which is obviously true and the big concern. But, you know, it's one of those things where he's untested. And you know what? He's going to bring something to the table that nobody else does. You know, as much as I like Raffle and Bunneman and Lawton, you know, they all can just kind of be, you know, intertwined with each other, right? They're all more or less the same player. Whereas, you know, Moran's going to bring something different to the table. And, you know, he's going to have horrible analytics and people are going to hate his fucking guts. But I don't care because he's going to do something that nobody else in this roster is going to do. You know, so if they can utilize him properly, and as I alluded to on Twitter, uh, you know, after the news was made, they open the season the 13th to get the Penguins. They play him again on the 15th. That first game gets chippy. Hey, guess what? You put Moran out there for game two. He goes, you know, knocks somebody's shit in and gives him a little bit of help, you know? So, especially in these back-to-back games where you're, you know, these two-game series you're playing and back-to-backs, maybe that does benefit in their favor a little bit to have somebody like that in the lineup in case things go, uh, you know, wrong in the first game. You get Sam Moran out there to wreck some shit in the second game. So imagine Sam Moran going into the corner in a puck battle versus Jack Hughes. I mean, that's like yeah. a lion versus a baby. He's three people I, bigger than he is. <laughs> I mean, somebody posted something that Hughes had gained a little bit of weight in the offseason here, going up from somewhere in the 160s to like 180 pounds. But still, I mean, he's given up, what, 50 pounds plus and maybe a foot or two of height. I mean, that would be just <laughs> unbelievable to see that like career-ending collision. <laughs> Jack Hughes. Let's see what he's... The lesser of the Hughes brothers. Pretty safe to say. 170, 511 is listed at right now. 
which would be, I believe Sam Ran is six foot seven and two twenty or something like that. <laughs> so, and man, yeah, I the one moment that Sam Moran gets in the NHL, <laughs> it is a board battle with Jack Hughes, and then it's all over. And Hughes is out with a concussion, and Moran tears an ACL or something, and then that's all we get. <laughs> no, it's like, so there is a way, and, and Manny, you had kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, there is a way that you can still blame Ron Hextall for all of this. <laughs> and and that argument goes, I'm not saying that I totally believe this, but I think there is an argument to be made about it, is that, you know, how many years ago was Moran drafted? I mean, he's in what is draft plus eight year or something, which is which is crazy. And the problem is, is that he's at the end of, I guess, some three-year extension contract now, yes. which um, and will be a free agent. I think he's a UFA at the end of this, at the end of this season. And the problem was they never really knew what he was during his ELC. And that's the time when you have him under team control at a low cost to figure it out. And clearly there were injuries that were sprinkled in in there. But there were times, if you rewind a couple of years ago, where he probably should have had a little bit more of a chance at the NHL level to establish himself. Maybe he gets hurt with the Flyers. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he plays enough games where they can carve out a role for him and they change their team building approach to some small extent. I don't know. But um, I think that the quandary that the Flyers are in now is because they don't know what he is. And Dan, you alluded to that as well, is that we're not sure what his capabilities are. If he gets hurt again, you know, he gets hurt again. But at the same time, you know, given given his pedigree as a first round pick and, um, you know, the fact that he, he has had an incredible attitude with it, it would be nice just to see. You know, if he gets, I don't know, 20 games or something and just see whether he can stick or not so we can finally figure him out. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking for right now, whether that's at forward or defenseman or whatever. I think the biggest thing Steve. with Moran, you know, was like at one point he was kind of the guy. I mean, he was the very first kind of prospect to fall victim to the Ron Hextall, you know, wait and see bullshit. But while he was in there, I mean, he played every game for the Phantoms for two years. He played every game in junior except when he broke his jaw. And, you know, other than that, he was great. It wasn't until Robert uh, Dave Haxtell decided that Robert Haig earned the roster spot over Sam Moran, uh, beginning of 17, uh, 17, 18. And they sent him down, and then he had his hip problem, and he came back, and then he tore his ACL. <laughs> and he's been tearing his ACL ever since, essentially. Um, but, yeah, you know... At one point, he was very, very good. And granted, it's been four, five, six years even at this point. So it's been a while. But like I said earlier, I think there's enough of a potential there for the guy. Provided he doesn't get hurt. He comes back, takes one shift, and tears his ACL again. Okay, that's it. It's time to retire, Sam. You've had your fun. But you know what? If he can come back and stay healthy and, and do what he's supposed to do, which is just wreck some shitheads every now and again, destroy Hughes in the corner every couple of weeks when they play. Like, that would be great. That That's just, that's kind of what I want to see out of Sam Moran. And quite frankly, that's what he's here for. It, it's They're even admitting as much that he's here to bring the team some toughness, some energy, some of that, you know, that, that grit that they're clearly lacking right now. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned, I agree with so much of what both of you guys have said. Uh, I want to give big props to Cap Friendly because they already have Sam Moran listed as left defense and left wing. Um, (laughs) He's going to be an RFA still at the end of this year. Really? So, yeah, I know. Unbelievable, right? He feels like he's been here forever. 
But uh, so that means more Dan the Fire fan loves Sam Moran. You know, this love fest will continue yes. probably after this season. Um, the only thing that I will say, and I'm glad you mentioned Ron Hextall, Mike. This goes back to this attitude shift that we talked about the last time that we were together, where the Flyers are kind of this, they're not quite sure of the direction that they really want to go in, or at least the, the waters have been muddied a little bit where it's, there's a little bit of uh, unclarity there. And Sam Moran is the perfect example. He's a guy that can never quite fit into a starting lineup or be given you know a decent chance to be on the roster and play hockey games. However, they at the same time don't want to send him down to the AHL because then they're going to expose him to waivers and then a team might claim him. So he's stuck between a rock and a hard place where he's got to get some playing time in and play hockey games. But at the same time, there's so many people at the bottom six of this roster that can be put into this opening lineup and and throughout the season. And yes, they don't bring exactly what Sam Moran is, which is the size and the physicality. But at the same time, I have to sit here and wonder and go, is this just, are they stringing him along again? Are they going to like dangle this carrot in front of him of, don't worry, we're going to move you to left wing and you're going to see some time and really don't use him? Because that's, honestly, that's disgraceful to me. That, if, if I, I will give you credit for this one. That is what I thought originally as well. You know, and A.V. goes, oh, man, we he didn't get a chance last year. And it's like, uh, you're the one that fucking sat him in the box for a month and a half before he got hurt, you asshole. <laughs> right. He played that one game against the Islanders when he got turned inside out by Matt Barzell, thanks to Shane Goss's Bears failed pinch. And then they sent him down, and three games later, he tore his ACL. And it's like, he, that was at the end of October. You know, he so I that thought did cross my mind. Uh, when I first heard this news as well. And it's like, really? You're going to pretend now you like this guy after you treated him like shit last year? AV? I don't know about that. Yeah, you have to hope that this regime is going to fully flesh him out. Um, And that's a good point, is that he wasn't played immediately. And I think, you know, that maybe could be chalked up to the fact that it was AV's first year and he wants to get his most reliable defenseman in there and not start out in a situation where he's relying on inexperience too much. Um, but, yeah, this they need to at least give it a shot. And the problem is the Flyers, they're, like, they're caught between a rock and a hard place, like we were saying here, is that you need to give the guy playing time, but you're trying to win games, especially on this truncated schedule. So how exactly is this going to work? Um, he's going to be practicing with the team, but like, can you really move the ball forward with him? That's going to be tricky. And the more we think about this, and like you said, Dan, the more we look at these other bottom six guys and how crowded it is, it's going to be something to pay attention to. And, you know, we check in in a month from now and, you know, see where he's at. He may not even have one game under his belt at that point. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that would really irritate the crap out of me because, like, this guy's been sitting around here working his tail off. He deserves a shot, whether it's with the Flyers or with someone else. I, I mean, his life has to move on. Like, he, he he's a hockey player. He needs to play hockey. I mean, just mentally, for him to go through another year of, you know, you're going to sit in the press box for, you know, a month at a time. And then, well, maybe we'll throw you in there if we play the Islanders. 
uh, or a team that, you know, threatens to, you know, beat up the Flyers uh, or whatever team Nathan Gerby is going to be on at any particular time. I don't know who he signed with, but that's really frustrating. Like for a guy like Sam Moran, he can't keep going like this. Like he needs to get moving on his his career. And I just don't want the Flyers to have him in this limbo of, well, we want you on this team, but at the same time, we don't think you're good enough to play and we don't want to expose you to waivers because somebody else is going to take you. I think that's a cop-out. I do think, though, that going back to what Dan, you said about the back-to-backs, I think that that's something that not a lot of people are talking about, which is we're playing the same teams over and over again for a 56-game schedule. So we're going to be playing each team eight times. And the second half of that back-to-back with no travel, when a guy gets sticked or if a guy gets a dirty hit in that first game, you can bet there's going to be retribution and there's going to be a little bit more of the physical stuff and the tough stuff in that second game. And I think that the way that the Flyers are constructed at this point, I'll definitely take Sam Moran on the wing for some kind of physical presence because this team definitely does need it. And you're right. I'm glad that Chuck and AV both acknowledged that that fact because those second half uh, of the back-to-backs, especially given AV's tendency of not starting Carter Hart on back-to-backs and relying on a Brian Elliott, you're going to need that physical presence. You are. Yeah, let's. I, I, I don't even want to think about Brian Elliott yet. Let's let's, uh, let's leave his fucking name out of our mouths for this show. <laughs> Brian Elliott for three C. Moose. <laughs> <laughs> Only not Mark Messier, the the new Moose. Yeah. Well, the thing that is is just baffling to me about about Moran's situation again is that I think he does bring complementary skills and ability to this particular team. And there is a place in the NHL for players that play like him. And I mentioned Chara. He's obviously not a Chara, but he has that size and ability. Jamie Alexiak, Brandon Carlo. Those are guys that Sam Morant is able to play like. And I don't know why this organization has been so against trying to complement the rest of their team with just one player. It's not like we're asking for an entire line right. of Sam Moran's or entire team. This is one singular player that brings attributes that no one else on the team can do. No one else in the organization can do. So why not try to take advantage of that? That's been my core, I guess my core issue with, with how he's been treated. Aside from the injuries, that's an excuse. But at this point, he brings that one piece, and I just think it'd be foolish to – just throw that away and not and not at least try to take advantage of it. I think that's what they're going to try to do here. That's kind of what it sounds like. Like, they they clearly acknowledge they need help in that department. And, you know, Sam Rand can do what nobody else in the organization can do. What very few people across the league can do. There are not many people that are six foot seven in the NHL these days. You know? Outside of Chara, you know, there are not many big dudes. So he's going to bring that, that, that it factor. And if he is properly deployed. Like I said, I don't expect him to start every game. I really don't. I, I think he's going to get in there in the tough games, you know, the, these back-to-backs, these long games, uh, the, the the games where they get edgy. That's where he's going to be used best. And if he can keep it simple, fourth line, play seven minutes a night, who cares? You know, he's got a job to do. And as I said, all the analytic people are going to hate him because I'm sure his course is going to be absolute shit. But who cares if he goes out there and wrecks a couple people every night in his seven minutes of ice time doesn't royally screw anything up that's what depth players are for you know you don't have to have a jvr doing absolutely nothing on your bottom line to to 
make that happen. Have somebody like Sam Rand that can go out there and wreck some bodies out every now and again. That would make me happy. That's what he should be doing. At least he'll be getting a chance. He'll be restricted next year. He'll get the, uh, you know, 9 by 9 extension. And then we can uh, <laughs> keep him around for the rest of time. But it's another question. It's another question in a series of questions over how this team is going to react to this season yeah. and what they're actually going to do on the ice. Like, it's more questions than, you know, uh, Alex Trebek's last week of Jeopardy for crying out loud. Wow. This week. Just is. I mean, listen, Anthony DeMarco wrote a great piece on the fourth period.com and it was about certainty and how I think most people are just looking at, um, you know, ceilings and what they expect and what the analytics and the, you know, the advanced stats say, and that's all great. But at the same time, just like everything else in life, you, you, you tend to rely more on what you know and what you know, what you can count on. Certainty is important. And, uh, you know, the hockey news, uh, Ken Campbell said it best uh, when he was doing a preview show for the new season. He said, hope is not a strategy. And so many teams out there right now are relying on hope, whether Somebody it's Somebody should player. let Fletcher know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Put right. that in it the made, locker room. <laughs> yeah. It made me think, God. and I thought, you know what? That's actually a really good point. I mean, you went from last year where he made all the right moves he surgically brought in, you know, Justin Braun, Kevin Hayes, Matt Niskanen, and it came up aces. And then this year it was just, yeah, it's okay. Let's just go with what we got. Yeah. Been complaining about that for months now. The the complete lack of anything going on, um, you know, as far as addressing any needs. And, hey, listen, I mean, they did that with Sam Moran. And uh, we can kind of tail that onto the training camp rosters. Nothing super groundbreaking here. Uh, Wisdom and the hell's the other guy's name? Tyson Forrester. They are both at this camp. Uh, outside of that, it's pretty much status quo. Wade Allison, uh, Tanner Lozinski here as well. Defensemen are pretty much everybody you'd expect. The goaltenders, Krell Ustaminko out with a hip injury. I believe he had surgery. Uh, 45 months after undergoing left hip surgery to repair a torn labrum so there you go isaac ratcliffe not in camp with a broken rib and the only two players not in camp for no reason at all would be uh matt strom and pascal laberge they are missing in action as of right now they are not uh, on loan somewhere across the world they are just not here so <laughs> clearly that shows what the organization thinks of those two but um pretty much status quo here uh Defense, Derek Pouliot in camp, Nate Prosser, Tyler Wotherspoon, Wyatt Wiley is here. But uh, other than that, you know, nothing super strange. Linus Sandin, the other forward, uh, worth, uh, worth noting, is in camp right now. So so is the whole team going through their physicals? Is it today or just – I know we mentioned that Nolan Patrick is having his, but is that for everybody? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and this was – I. I kind of had a weird take on, on the Nolan Patrick thing here. It's, it's like he's obviously having his physical today and, and we'll know, you know, if he passes it, I'm assuming at some point in the next few hours, maybe tomorrow. But, but the thing that I'm confused about with this whole thing is like, I don't know if a physical is this watershed moment here right now. Like he's had a debilitating injury or I guess an illness for so long now. Don't they know 
whether or not he's capable. Like, <laughs> like when you go to a physical, like think of like, and they probably do more at the NHL level, but when you go to physical, like they check your ears, the doctor has a little hammer, hits your kneecap, make sure your reflexes work. How you feeling? Make sure bud? your heart's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How you feel? Like, like they're not doing like intense, right. you know, data analysis or review of anything like that. <laughs> No, so like, and, what what could possibly come out of this that they don't know already? So it it's just weird to me that they're waiting for like the bellwether of January third if he passes the physical <laughs> or not, and then he could still you know, I guess once he gets some sort of contact next week, um, if he does pass it, you know, then then he could be out again. But I just think the organization should probably not make a build up towards this day, which they kind of did because they gave us no clarification at all yeah. on his status and use this as kind of the date to see as what happens for the next step. So, so to me, it's just, it's, it's kind of like a non thing, but the organization made it a thing. I think it's the official clearance is what the physical is going to come down to. I think they know right now if they can, if he's coming back, he's on the training camp roster. But as somebody pointed out last year, he was on the training camp roster last year as well. And that didn't mean shit. So, you know, <laughs> it'll come down to, uh, like you said, the first hit in camp. If he can survive that, it's going to be getting him getting uh, back out there and actually getting in the physical play and start playing games. And if he can handle it, if he can be, you know, survive a big check and not be on the shelf for another 21 months. You know, that that's the testing point. I, I think the physical is just kind of the official check mark of okay, you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's an important milestone. And you're right, the team did build up to this point, so it is kind of on them. The fans are doing it too though. Oh yeah. Like I don't know how many times I've seen yeah. Nolan Patrick Revenge Tour. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I get, I get mad every time I see it. I'm like, what is he going out to get revenge for? Revenge on what? Yeah. Like, revenge means that you had something happen to you, like an injustice, and you need to make things right. What happened to Nolan Patrick other than the fact that he, you know, got 61 points in his first two NHL seasons? And, yes, he has a migraine disorder and he can't play. Like, who does he get revenge on? <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, and the organization was trying to get him to play. It's not like they gave his roster spot to somebody else. They've carved this out for him since he was drafted since day one. So, so yeah, there's no freaking revenge here. It's just, it's, it's absurd. His ham sandwich was a little dry. <laughs> yeah, I saw oh, the uh, revenge tour tweets yesterday, and it's like, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Now, that's the other thing, and I got a piece on this coming out probably tomorrow, maybe Tuesday, depending on. Uh, if he's cleared or not, but you know, like limiting your expectations for somebody like him, you know, the people that say, Oh, it's a revenge tour and he's going to do this and that. And he's, Oh, he's, I have people say he's going to lead the team in goals and he's going to do this. And it's like, <laughs> bro, like, let's calm down a little bit here. At this point, you need to have a checklist more or less, right? Can, is he cleared? Check. Can he make it through camp without getting fucked up? Check. Can he make it through a couple games without getting injured? Can he stay healthy long-term? Yes. Is he okay? Will this affect his play from here on out? Is he going to sporadically miss time because of this? Whatever. Like, there's so many questions. This is not a Sam Ran torn ACL where you're good or you're not, right? I, I feel like this is one of those things that could potentially pop up at any time or, or get re-aggravated at any time. Who knows, right? I I'm sure Nolan Patrick doesn't even know. You know, uh, I, I'm not a, I'm not an archaeologist or whatever. I'm not going to come on here and tell you otherwise, right? But like, 
limit your expectations for the guy. I don't think he's going to lead the team in goals, especially if he's playing alongside JVR. Uh, nothing's going to happen there. But, like, if he plays, if he can make it through a full season uninjured, that's a win in my book. You know, him just coming back and, and getting some legs under him, that's fine. That's what I want to see. I'm not going to expect this guy to score 40 goals in 56 games or, you know, anything like that. It's just, that's totally unrealistic way to look at it. So in the revenge tour, it's not necessarily revenge as much as it's just like, try and survive, bud. Like, that's where I'm at with the guy at this point. Now, I'm wondering, and you guys might know the answer to this, but do they do any particular drills in training camp that are just about like physical contact and hitting, like just take turns hitting each other up against the boards. <laughs> like, I don't like, know. I, they probably, like I think there's probably a lot of board work, uh, fighting yeah. pucks and such, but I don't know if they, you know, line each other up and uh, <laughs> take yeah, headshots like, now. Okay, and you're going to stand here and somebody else is going to run you. Sam Rand's going to run you into the corner. <laughs> you're just going to take it. I just do it over. Like, I mean, like, honestly, I might do that to some extent. And like, maybe, you know, it's done under a controlled way, but it could be something that helps them. So there's not like that shock when you start the season and all of a sudden in like the first period, he gets rocked by somebody, yeah. you know? So that might be something that I would do if I could go to be like, okay, now we're going to do the hitting drills. Nolan, you're first. <laughs> The ultimate grudge match with Sam Moran. The ultimate heel turn to take a wrestling uh, analogy. He throws Nolan Patrick into the boards and whoops, and you there's, survive there's, one less, there's one less guy to compete with the roster spot for. <laughs> and I wonder, as we go through the season, and assuming that Patrick is able to start here in the next uh, two weeks, if he is going to be more willing to try to play through this than he maybe was like last year or something, because he knows that he's on this one year deal. He missed an entire season, his third year of his ELC, which was his prove it year. And now his prove it year has turned into this 56 game truncated season. I'm wondering if he's going to try to play through pain if he does have it. I mean, obviously I'd rather him just not for his own health and for the team's sake as well, because you don't want a player with those kind of symptoms out there. Um, but that will be something to pay attention for is, you know, if he if he does have these symptoms again, is he going to tell anybody about it? He's going to try to play through it. What's going to happen with that? So that's that's also a concern um, moving through the season with him. I wonder if they uh, yeah, and limit his minutes coming back as well. If he starts out on, you know, maybe the fourth line and Frost gets 3C out of the bat or something. Yeah. Or, or, you know, kind of cycle in with Frost at 3C. Because <clears throat> I can't imagine they're going to put him out there without 100% certainty and be like, all right, you're the unquestioned 3C. You're going to play 20 minutes a night, some power play, some battle to kill. You'll be that. They may work him in. I mean, that's what they did with Lindblom last year. Played, you know, two games on the fourth line. Last two games of the season worked him in, I think it was like 30 minutes overall or something, and just kind of let him work back into it. And Lindblom's very much in that boat as well this year of kind of limiting what to expect of the guy. I would assume he starts out top six, uh, mainly because you have nobody else in the left wing that can make that happen right now. But, uh, you know, he's another guy that just kind of be like, he's going to take some time, I think, to get back into it. But but at the end of the day, you know, he should be one of those guys that maybe not limited minutes out of the bat uh, for Lindblom, but, you know, Limit your expectations as far as his offensive production. I don't think he's going to jump right back in um, and put up, you know, pick up where he left off, I should say, from last year, uh, you know, when he did his breakout year, 11 goals and 20 games, whatever the hell it was. 
One thing that could be a concern too, guys, is this lineup shuffling. And that always, it always kind of bothered me that, and, and this was more so maybe under Dave Haxtall than, than AV last year, but just the incessant lineup shuffling. It was like every night somebody was changing here and there and they could never find things that really worked. And if they did, it was only for like a string of games. And then there was another, you know, put them in the blender, spit it back out sort of thing. And, <laughs> And if you have that on top of guys like Nolan Patrick, who you have to kind of slowly integrate Oscar Lindblom, slowly integrate Sam Moran, slowly integrate. It's just too much of these variables to create line of consistency, like Manny mentioned, too, with the back to backs and having to change guys there based upon matchups and how intense things get. It's it's going to be just so, so unpredictable. Um, So that's one other thing that, you know. I'm not sure if we're going to see this. This team struggles with consistency. This may not be a good recipe for that. No, and I think we'll know in short order uh, what the status of Nolan Patrick is once training camp gets underway. I don't even think he necessarily has to take hits. I think when they do the uh, work on the bike and they do the lung capacity tests and all those awful hideous contraptions that they basically, you know, they put this Bane mask on you and they want to see how, uh, how much oxygen you can intake and exhale. I mean, those are grueling. And I think that Nolan Patrick, after two years of not playing hockey, um, I don't know if he's, you know, what his conditioning would be like, but that would absolutely take a toll on you physically. And if he can get through those types of, uh, of you know, conditioning stints and, and things on the bikes, I think that that will give the, you know, the Flyers medical staff uh, and trainers a pretty good idea of, of how ready he is. But I totally agree. I think the fourth line role would be perfect. And you know what? He goes from heel to a baby face. Sam Moran riding shotgun and keeping suckers away from Nolan Patrick. I'm on board for that. There you go. That's his role this year is to keep Nolan Patrick safe. <clears throat> Somebody uh, wrecks his shit into the boards. Um, let's see. Goalies, Brian Elliott, Carter Hart, Alex Lyon, Sonstrom. Roddy Ross is back, as Manny likes to allude. We're number 69, by the way. Woo! Yeah, he wore uh, 69 last year as well, because I, I saw his uh, training camp jersey come across my uh, TL a while back. I'm like, hmm, I need to get on that. But uh... He must be a huge pervert. <laughs> 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 That'll ingratiate himself well with the Flyers fans. It's an interesting one. With, with Usmingo going down, you know, I, I don't think he or Sonstrom had great years last year. Um, Usminko kind of got the upper hand in the ECHL before Sonstrom, and then he made it to the AHL, and I watched the five of his last six games or whatever it was uh, before the season wonder, and boy, was I not impressed with Usminko. Um, I, I think they're guys that are more long-term projects. You know, neither one of them are the Carter Hart-esque, you know, you're going to play 10 games in the minors, then come up and, and dominate the NHL. They're both long-term, you know, projects at this point. Sonstrom is pretty much uh, the same as Usminko. I, I think he's going to be good in time. But in the short term, you almost have to hope nothing happens here, um, goalie-wise. And I've talked about this throughout the offseason, but... Bringing Brian Elliott and Alex Lyon back just seems like such a mistake. And even now with these shortened schedules and whatnot, where you're going to more likely be relying on your back-to-backs a little more and your backup goalie more, 
Elliott there, you know, we know what he is. We all know Alex Lyon is not an NHL goalie. You know, he's okay for a spot start here and there, but anything beyond that, you're asking for trouble. Like, if, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, Carter Hart gets hurt this year, and you're stuck with Elliott and Lyon, like, then what do you do, right? I, I don't like that they did that. And without Ustminko there as kind of your extra backup, now you're going to have to rely on Sonstrom. It's just, I, I, I'm not a fan of the way they handled this goaltending. And I, listen, I hope nothing happens. I hope Hart can bear the brunt of this season uh, injury-free and play, you know, 40 of the 50 games or whatnot and, and hopefully keep the team afloat. But man, that's one of those things that if something goes wrong back there, all of a sudden it doesn't matter what you're doing anywhere else because you are screwed with Lyon and, and Elliot backing him up. And if you're screwed at the NHL level, imagine what the Phantoms are going to go through when their season gets underway. Because if an injury does happen, you're going to be stuck with Felix Sandstrom as the number one goaltender in Lehigh Valley. Is he ready for that? He certainly didn't look ready last year. Can they recall Ross if they have to on like an emergency basis? I don't think they can because he's property of the, he was traded in the off season, so yes. he's on he's on the Regina Pats. So this will be his third year uh, in the Western Hockey League. And quite frankly, I think that's where he needs to go. Um, I know Jamie Basco tweeted out, uh, I didn't read the article, but he said, oh, uh, be interesting if this guy can, you know, get a job with the Phantoms right now. And I was like, well, I don't think he's ready. I'm like, I don't think he's ready. And I don't think that the Phantoms want to go through uh, this season having Sandstrom and Ross as their tandem, that's no. two really young guys. They need to sign a veteran guy to kind of just, you know, hang out with Sandstrom and show him the ropes and and be the, you know, stable, consistent guy that can hopefully stop a few pucks. Not J.F. Barube. Oh, but, God. Um, but yeah, I think Ross, it, it, it's better for him just to go back to Regina. And I think that he has to sign his ELC by the end of the season. So I think they're just bringing him in to just see, you know, get give him some experience, get him some reps, get him to take some shots against the pros uh, at Voorhees. And uh, you know what? I think that this year is a huge one for him. They, they've drafted uh, Connor Bedard, uh, the Regina Pats, who is an underage phenom. Uh He's in, he gets an exemption because he wasn't really of age. So he goes to the WHL a year ahead of schedule. I mean, this is going to be a big year for him. He could put up numbers, and he does do well when he gets peppered with a lot of shots. The busier that he gets, the better he usually plays. I just don't think he's ready for the uh, American Hockey League just yet. No, I would agree with that, Manny. And I think what... This is, you know, I'm trying to figure out what what the Flyers' plan is after this year. I mean, given they have to re-sign Hart and Elliott is only on this one-year contract, I can't imagine Elliott comes back next year again on a one-year contract. I I mean, maybe, but they would have to. I think that the progression plan seems to be Sandstrom will come in and back up Carter Hart at the NHL level if Sandstrom gets enough reps this year with the Phantoms and Hart, you know, solidifies – you know, that spot, you know, with injuries, all that stuff. And, um, you know, they sign him in the off season. So you have Hart as your, uh, as your number one, and then Sandstrom as your number two. And you go on like that for a period of time. Um, and I don't, I guess it depends how many starts Sandstrom gets. He has been very, very confusing to me. I mean, the Flyers, it seems like have also drafted him 
eight years ago or something, played uh, in the SHL for many years, and they signed him to a three-year deal, I think, back in 2018. Um, so that seems to be where this is headed for the long term. But that said, I also would like them to have some veteran back there as well, because that's a very, very young goalie group if it is Hart and Sodstrom moving forward. Sodstrom was Just get the Zamboni guy, David Ayers. <laughs> 70th oh, overall yeah. in 2015 already was was Sandstrom, and they have the the Russian guy. Can't think of his fucking name off the top of my head. Fedotov. Fedotov. There we go. I think it was Fedotinkov. I'm like, no, that's not it. That's the other guy. But uh, and and Samuel Erson. So they do have you know more chances uh, for something to to happen. But I don't know. It's it's a lot. It, listen, it's great to have these goalie prospects and all, but at the same time, you, you kind of need a buffer between them and the NHL. Uh, you know, none of their, none of them are on Carter Hart's level. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. That Elliot thing is another thing that really blows my mind in the short term and the long term. Like, the cap's not getting any better next year. And you're not getting any relief, especially because you have to re-sign fucking Travis Sanheim. So I would have much rather them spent money on somebody like Thomas Grice, you know, for two years. And, and kind of have that thing for next year. You can worry about that later rather than Elliot at one. Because if they bring Elliot back next year, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. But, like, yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing with these goalies here. I thought they would have got some kind of consistency either replacing uh, Elliot or replacing Lyon. And they didn't do either one of those. They brought him each back on a one-year deal. So I don't know what the end game here with the goalie is. But that's one of those uh, things that... Better count your lucky stars right now that nothing happens back there and that Hart can handle this, because otherwise it may be, uh, may be messy. As I frantically refresh Twitter, seeing if anybody has any news on Nolan Patrick yet. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> because How this is Patrick a goal. Uh, Yeah, may as well play him as goalie. Maybe Sam Ring can play goalie next. <laughs> have to be on his knees the whole time. There you go. Uh, no, it doesn't look like anybody's got any news yet. No, mm-hmm. uh, Mikey from ONB uh, asked, does anybody know when we'll get the results from Nolan Patrick's physical? And Bill Matz said January 13. What? Well, so I don't I know if he's, he's being technically right about that. but fucking around, yeah. <laughs> we'll know for sure. Yeah, the team may not uh, make plays. an official announcement on it. We will, we'll just say, oh, he's... He's cleared to play, so we'll see him in training camp. What would suck is if we didn't know anything and he was in training camp, but he was not participating in contact drills. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, that would be spot on. He's around, but he's not actually doing anything. But he's okay, though. He's skating. <laughs> he's skating. Yeah. yeah. Ryan a... White gets hired as like a new sort of special envoy to Nolan Patrick, takes him under his wing. <laughs> Legal guardian. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, uh, I guess we'll touch upon this. Somebody brought up Mark Friedman yesterday and kind of hoping he gets a chance. And I thought he was going to get a chance, uh, you know, before the offseason happened. Obviously, before Niskanen retired. He was looking like it was going to be his time to get called up and, and, you know, he signed for two years on a rather cheap deal. 
look like, hey, he can get his feet wet. They'll maybe make, you know, one big move somewhere, bring in, you know, Petrangelo, and they can have Friedman as their seventh and put him in and out. And that was great and all. And then Niskanen retired, and they, in a panic move, re-signed Braun and Haig, and they have Gustafsson, and now Shane Gossesbear's still here. And all of a sudden, Mark Friedman's like your ninth guy on the depth chart, you know, with Zamula hanging around as well. So the poor bastard went from, hey, here's an NHL chance to, oh, we're going to pull it right out from under you without any hope. Maybe he makes it. Um, He's definitely paid his dues. I believe this is his fourth professional year playing with the Phantoms since. He's a guy that I like watching with the Phantoms, but in the NHL, I'm still not sure where he fits in. He's one of those guys that if you don't hear his name throughout a game, he's having a good game. Kind of the the quiet guy, solid defense, but isn't going to do anything overly spectacular. And he looked good in his first half dozen NHL games. But but again, I don't know if there's a whole lot of room for him this year. I assume he'll be hanging around on the taxi squad. And if need be, for one reason or another, he'll get the recall. But man, out of the gate, you do kind of feel bad for the kid. At least I do. That uh, you know his seemingly golden opportunity was uh, ripped away from him. Yeah, I mean... I would have I would have given him a little bit of a shot here. He's basically in the prime of his career. He's 25 years old, right-handed defenseman. Uh, his contract, he's got 725000 for the next two seasons. Um, he seemed like a guy that made good decisions with the puck when he got some limited time last year um, at the NHL level. And I would imagine that that would have progressed into some sort of bottom pairing or seventh defenseman rotational role for this year. But yeah, with the signing of Gustafson, they have their seven defensemen. Uh, Friedman is probably not going to be getting any time here unless there are multiple injuries. And I think he probably deserved a bit of a shot. Um, I, I, like you said, Dad, he did pay his time. He did pay his dues. He's been in the organization for for years now, and I think he's he's looked he's looked good enough to be a contributor at this level. I guess it's always good to have these guys in your back pocket. Um, but yeah, he he's definitely a bit of a question mark. Um, but we'll see. Mark Friedman for three C. There you go. He's the new Sam Moran. He's the guy that's, you know, working hard. We can move him to forward, too. (laughs) Yeah, like, he's doing all the right things. Mark Friedman, okay, hold on. Mark Friedman can center Sam Moran and Shane Gossespierre. Oh. (laughs) There you go. That's the way to provide extra protection for Make everybody happy. There you go. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, like, he's the guy that, like, listen, he wasn't, uh, you know, crazy good when he appeared in, I think it was six games last year, but he certainly didn't do anything wrong. He he played well. And, yes, you didn't really hear his name, but that was a good thing. He was a guy playing in a bottom pair role, you know, subbing in for injury and, and a little bit of uncertainty in the back end at the start of the year or, or around the Christmas holidays, I think. And he played well enough. And I certainly did think that he deserved – at least a, a good look. And instead now he's the guy that's on the bottom of the pile uh, of the def- defensemen that we now have on this team and, and guys that really shouldn't be here to begin with. I think if he was a little bit bigger, the organization may treat him a little differently. He's still fairly small. I mean, he's under six feet tall and they have him listed at five eleven and a buck 85, which is fairly light for this league as a defenseman, unless you have some superior finesse skills on offense or something, or great skating ability to weave around other players. And he doesn't, I don't think he has that. So I, he's kind of caught in this 
betwixt and between state where he has the hockey IQ, he has the hockey instincts, he has the experience, but I don't know if his skill set in conjunction with his size is something that the organization wants to move forward with in any meaningful way. God, drafted in 2014. Jesus. Yeah, he's uh, 5'11", not a big dude. Like I said, doesn't exactly excel in anything specific. He's just a, an overall decent player. So, I don't know. And maybe that lack of, you know, a tribute, the lack of identity uh, hurts his overall chances um, in terms of making it. But I guess we'll wait and see on this one. And referring to that Mikey D tweet, somebody else, uh, I assume we wouldn't officially announce anything and we just find out when he is or is not on the ice tomorrow. And that is probably more accurate. I doubt we're going to see a tweet. The more I think about this, the more I'm like, is the organization going to put out a tweet that goes, Nolan Patrick passes physical, he'll be back! Like, (laughs) if you do that, and then he's, for some reason, isn't cleared on the 13th, like, okay, you're going to have a fucking riot on your hands. So maybe it is uh, more interesting that we won't hear anything, and we're just going to have to wait and see... um, at camp over the next few days, whether he's there or not and, and you know what he's doing. So yeah, they're damned if they do damned if they don't, because yeah. if they continue with this, no information type of thing, people get pissed off and they're like, well, what the hell's wrong with them? Uh, and then if they do provide information, then it creates expectations. And if he doesn't live up to those expectations, people are like, well, get him out of here. And so unfortunately that's the way that sports go though. You can't just kind of, float in and out you either have to be on the team or you're not and you have to understand what the status is of players that's you know you're in the spotlight this is why you're in the nhl so uh, you know that's that's the way shit goes breaking news nolan patrick's doctor told him to open his mouth and say ah and he passed with flying colors (laughs) ah yes the intense physical (laughs) he took that popsicle stick really well that tongue depressor (laughs) revenge the revenge tour oh god revenge that'd be a great horror series like a horror movie Oh, gosh. Yeah, not seeing anything from anybody official yet. Well, camp starts tomorrow morning, right? I, th- I think they're going to be split into something like two groups um, you know, for a couple of days. And I think Thursday's a video day and then back to the ice Friday. I just saw some brief update something on that. Something like that, yeah. It's going to be real quick, too. Because by next Sunday, I think training camp's over. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about one week and they're going to go through all of these players and figure out what they want to do. And we'll see uh, Sam Moran return to glory back on the ice. And, and hopefully we'll see uh, Nolan Patrick out there too. Are you, uh, are you guys concerned about injuries? Like we saw in the NFL when everything opened up without a serious preseason and training camp, everybody was hurt in the first two weeks. You think that's going to be uh, mimicked here in the NHL? Hard to say. I think though that it's going to be real sloppy hockey to begin with. I think, I think without the training camp, I mean, I've heard red guys like Mike McKenna have said that the training camp is 
basically just uh, to an extra cash grab for the owners to get some money for the preseason games and all that. And that the players don't even really care about it too much and don't really need it. Most of these guys have been skating. And if you're uh, Ivan Provorov, you've probably been running like, you know, three marathons a day for the last <laughs> three months. But um, generally, I think for the most part, guys are going to, their timing is going to be really off. And I think it's going to be sloppy. And, and one of the things that Fletcher and a lot of the media people actually have said is that probably benefits the fly because they're a team that didn't go through a lot of changes so they have that you know internal chemistry already i don't know <laughs> Everybody's if i as buy that as us now. <laughs> yeah i don't know if i buy that completely though because i think that that might help a little bit but i think as games go on um you know teams will generally get better and the ice will get a little bit you know sloppier but um to each their own i don't think there'll be an overly you know large rash of injuries although we're seeing a lot of uh you know kucherov's out for the season jonathan taves has a mysterious ailment and he's gone so chicago is going to be atrocious this year um but other than that no i don't think more so than usual that Taves yeah. uh injury just a i was i was baffled i i thought he was uh COVID or something, but I read into it and he's like, oh, I'm not feeling good and get all these tests done and he's lethargic and not feeling great. And I'm like, man, must be a little more than uh, your average cold he was missing camp with there. I mean, he's got a ton of miles on him too. He's been oh, playing. Yeah. It's just the amount of, of beatings that he's taken in the league over the years. He's a, he's a, one of those warrior players, never misses time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's some sort of, uh, you know, neurological thing, a migraine thing, a concussion thing, you know, something like that, that has that type of impact on the way that you feel on a consistent basis and something you can't really pinpoint. It's not, it wasn't a sudden thing. It didn't happen at one particular moment, but you know, you play like he does over the years, you know, something's, something is going to happen upstairs. Well, we know that everybody's all excited for the season. Is there anything that you guys are not, looking forward to for this coming season watching travis connecty play watching jvr play oh god <laughs> i i wrote i wrote down I, I originally wanted to write down uh like weird flyers bets from vegas and i was gonna make some up but uh instead i got like uh for example the number of times patrick line is dissed and compared to travis connectney when he doesn't score a goal that <laughs> is gonna guys- get really annoying What's your guys' prediction? You know, we're because I don't know if 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 we'll be on again before the first game of the season. What do you guys What do you guys think happens with the Flyers? Where do you think they finish? Man, this is one of those things that uh, Anthony and I were talking about um, the other day, and, and and I have no idea. I would assume they finish in a playoff spot, but the East is so packed full of talent and full of unknowns i really have no idea you know boston and pittsburgh do those two keep going despite all that's going against them my thought is yes can the islanders be a good regular season team which they did struggle with a bit last year you know if they can play as hard as they did in the playoffs throughout the season like forget about it they're fucking on top are the rangers gonna be good can the caps continue to be good will the sabers and devils finally pull something out of their ass you know and finally hang around so there's a lot of question marks in this division this is by far the most stacked uh out of the four new uh realigned divisions that are there but i i think they're gonna be a better than average team 
that is going to at least be in the mix for a playoff spot. But it'll it'll probably be a very tight division overall. So they'll be in, but uh, as far as they're finishing, I don't know, maybe second or third in the East, and then they're going to get curb stomped in the playoffs by the Islanders again. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either on this one. It's a very confusing uh, team due to the amount of question marks that we've that we've discussed. I wouldn't be shocked if they finished as high as second. I don't think they're going to finish first in this division, but I also honestly wouldn't be that shocked if they finish fifth or sixth and they miss the playoffs. Um, there's just I don't know what this defense is going to do. That's one of my biggest issues. I think on offense, you know, they they may have somewhat consistent scoring. They don't have any superstar scores or anybody on offense the other team is really afraid of. But I think they may have enough to get by and and have a reasonable regular season. I don't know if they're going to get shell-shocked on defense like they have in the past, given the lack of experience. If they get one, one key injury you know, to heart or to even a Provorov and, you know, they could be cooked for a long time. So it just, I wouldn't be shocked in either direction there as high as second and as low as six. That's where I'm going to go. <laughs> so I guess it evens out at fourth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're winning the division. I do think Washington is going to win the division. Uh, I think that they did just enough and they've got a new coach and Zdeno Chara's leadership. I know he's not too fleet of foot anymore. All those ageists out there bashing him for uh, he's a 44 year old man. Ho ho ho. He can't play. Well, he's still, he's a definitely a middle pairing defenseman on any team in the NHL and any team in the NHL would take him as evidenced by the fact that 20 teams called his agent asking, Hey, what's going on? You want to come to our team? Um, and he chose Washington. So I think Washington will win the East. Um, the flyers could finish second. Um, but yeah, they can also, I think, I don't know. I get a feeling that there's going to be a surprise team that comes out of nowhere um, not necessarily out of nowhere, but certainly exceeds expectations. I don't know if it's going to be the Islanders um, or the Rangers, but somebody is going to come up there. I think Pittsburgh is going to take a step back again this year. And I think Boston is going to take a step back, but they're still good enough to make the playoffs. Um, Flyers are definitely a playoff team, but I don't know. It, so much depends on all those questions and how they get answered. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's a reason to watch. It'll definitely be competitive, and that's I think we'll figure that out, you know, pretty early on in the season here. Who's uh, who's hot and who's not? And yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Mike. They can finish as high as second, and or they can realistically miss. You know, if the Flyers get their shit together, they should be good. But it's more about the other, you know, six, seven teams in the division that are all reasonably good enough to be in the same spot as they are. So it will be interesting to uh, to see how that ends up uh, working out there, but. The thing that drives me nuts, though, is I see tweets. I think it was Jordan Hall, and he he tweeted the record of the Flyers against all of these teams from last year, and it was like eighteen and five or something like that against you know Boston and Pittsburgh and Washington. And it's like, yeah, that's great. This is a new season. That means nothing. Yeah. That means absolutely nothing. And these people are taking that to the bank. Like the Flyers are going to steamroll everybody and go to the conference final. Woohoo! <laughs> Let's go. 
Um, yeah. And the pendulum's going to swing back at some point, too, here. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, okay, you went 18 and 5 or whatever. Have fun trying that again when you're playing the Islanders even more than you did last year. They got their asses destroyed by the Islanders in the regular season last year, and including the year before that. And But for Carter Hart, they look like utter trash in the playoffs against them. So have fun with eight games against them. See where that gets you. So. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, in in they're going to be very they're playing all these teams repeatedly. Pittsburgh, uh Pittsburgh, then they go to Buffalo. I guess Buffalo comes to them technically. Then they go to Boston, Devils, Islanders. Like you're only playing these select teams here. And as Manny alluded to, they had good records last year, but who knows, you know, and, and like I said, uh, I'll s- wait my judgment out to see how everybody looks uh, throughout the first couple weeks of the season here. But it, it is a very tight division that I, I don't I don't think you can reasonably rule anybody out. I don't, you know, even the Devils and Sabres, if something goes their way, they can make it. I mean, the Sabres made some moves this year, uh, this offseason. You know, they got Eric Stahl, they got Taylor Hall, they always have, you know, Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart. Their goaltending still sucks. They are... Uh, uh, who's that? Hutton and uh, Olmark are up there still. So, don't know what's going on there. The schedule training camp uh, for the Flyers tomorrow with scrimmages, Tuesday with scrimmages, Wednesday with scrimmages, Thursday is their off ice day, Friday with scrimmages, Saturday they're into two groups, Sunday they're into two groups, and then that's it. I guess they just sit and drink some tea for the couple days until they open up against Pittsburgh, I guess. I don't know what they're <laughs> doing on Tuesday. That's a lot of scrimmages. I guess they really want Nolan Patrick to be really comfortable because that's all he's been doing in Winnipeg, scrimmaging with Ryan White. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess Whitey that's – It doesn't look like we're going to get any news during this show. Nobody's uh, tweeted anything. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out tomorrow morning whether Nolan Patrick is, is out there or not as far as what actually happens. So, hope he is – I hope uh, this whole saga can be behind him, and he comes out, and he's great, and he's leading the team in goals, <laughs> winning the Selkie Art Trophy Ross. and Art Ross Trophy, and yeah, that would be great. But uh, you know, on a more realistic basis, I just hope that he's uh cleared and, get, and can at least get back into the lineup somehow, get something out of that goddamn second overall pick. But uh, with Guardian Angel Sam Moran, it will it will be so. The Guardian Angel. That's what his new nickname for you, Dan. <laughs> the Guardian Angel. Guardian Sam Angel Sam Moran. The greatest forward of all time, Samuel Moran. Um, <laughs> anybody got anything else you want to get off your chest here today before we wrap up? What do you guys think of um, of Carcini's question to Giroux about being <laughs> 33 years old and it getting under his skin? Why are you so focused on my age? I'm ready yeah. to go. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was an okay question. I mean, it's not unwarranted. Uh, Yeah. Like he is getting old and he did slow down last year. Like I've been talking about this for quite some time. Like it does worry me, you know, if Giroud can come back or not. I mean, he says, I mean, he's not going to come out and be like, I'm old as fuck and broken down and can't play no more. Obviously he's not going to say that. Um, but you know, I, I wasn't necessarily offended with the question, but I did appreciate Giroud uh, putting him in his place afterwards. So <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I, I mean, and I think the question was stemming from what Elaine Vigneault had mentioned in an interview during the off season about, potentially having to change these guys um, off season routines yeah. to maintain levels of play. It also goes back to AV's comments during the season about 
kind of calling out these top guys last preseason, during the season, in the postseason, talking about their legacy, that sort of stuff. I mean, those are pretty those are pretty strong comments, at least to me they are. Um, so I think that that's a fair question. I mean, given his age, his status on the team, how long he's been here, yeah, I mean, there's a lot at stake here. Like, these years are flying by here, so let's see something. Um, and maybe it gives Drew a chip on his shoulder and – he's able to elevate some aspects of his game. Um, you know, whatever it takes. If it takes a guy in the media asking you a question before training camp starts to get you to play better, I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> Claude Giroux will turn 33 on the 12th, the day before the season starts. So, not exactly. In NHL years, it's about 75. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. I, I hope he can come back and have his own revenge tour, um, you know, and prove. But I don't know. The the age definitely does does worry me a little bit there because you're, you're not getting any better at that age. Uh, you know, you're not going to get faster. You're not going to get better. His hands are going to be there. It just uh, depends on, you know, his foot speed and, and what he can bring to the table. Um, it's not an unwarranted question, but, you know, it, <laughs> I guess it's not necessarily the one you want to be throwing at Cludger's face. Um yeah, but we'll wait and see as far as the uh, Claude Giroux uh, revenge tour goes. Hey, motivation's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you know what? If he wants to prove to Sam and to all the other people out there that he's not too old and that he's still got it, then guess what? It's a really easy remedy. It's called go out there yeah. and play. Yeah. And, and, and listen, that's not a bad thing. I'm glad to see that he got fired up to do that. I mean, just that comment probably got a little bit more of an ire and a rustle out of this Flyers dressing room and out of some players than this entire offseason. And and that's one thing. Like, I'm, People say that I'm negative and I'm critical because they didn't do anything. I don't need them to do a, a massive game-changing trade. But I, th- I do think that little moves, uh, you just don't want the team to get stale and be the same old, same old. And this team has always been, you know, make the playoffs and then miss the playoffs. Make the playoffs and then miss the playoffs. Certainly in the last, you know, eight years or so, eight to ten years. And before that, they were always in the playoffs. Like, always. Uh, Previous to getting Eric Lindros was the last time that they didn't really get to the playoffs. So, if this can actually be a rallying cry for Giroux and Jake and for some of the elder statesmen of this uh, team to come out of the gate and come out hard and really play well, then I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And what's funny, too, about this is that I think JVR had a comment the other day about how how critical it is to come out strong, come out fast, win games out of the gate here. And, you know, obviously for many years now, that has not been what the Flyers have done. They are notoriously slow starters and typically will come back into the picture, into the playoff picture after uh, their West Coast uh, late December uh, trips, usually kind of in the middle of the pack in the fall, dip around Thanksgiving, dip even further around Christmas and New Year's, and then in January start to rise up again as the playoffs come. And that may, and that formula may work at times. This year it certainly won't work because they, if they butcher the first, you know, 15 games of the season and, you know, are at the bottom of the division come February, 
it is going to be virtually impossible to claw back in that situation. Um, and I'd like to see the team do it differently this year. Let's see them do it differently. Everyone's aware of the situation. Figure it out this time. You have enough veterans on the team. They've played together long enough. You have enough veterans on the coaching staff. Everybody knows what their job is. So let's see them figure it out. And I'm going to be super critical on them after the first couple of weeks if they come out and take a dump again. Yeah, there's no no time this year to, you know, take 15 games to be slow. Oh, well, yep. we're getting together. I don't want to hear it. You got to get out there and, and be fast this year and, and keep up. And, again, we just talked about everybody in the division. You can guarantee at least a couple of those teams are not going to have slow starts. You know, They're going to push your pedal to the metal there. And if the Flyers come out and start slow – you know, it's going to be it's going to be a hard fight and you're going to make it a lot harder on yourself uh, otherwise. And they don't open up on the West Coast this year, um, but uh, they do have an outdoor game in Lake Tahoe, uh, apparently with no fans is uh, the other thing. And that one, that's the part when I found out there's no fans there. That one kind of baffled me the most. Isn't the whole point of having outdoor games? for fans, for fanfare, to draw fans and tickets, and now they're not even having fans. What the fuck are you doing an outdoor game for <laughs> with the Bruins and Flyers in, I don't know, that that was one of those, like, it's. I'm sure it'll be cool, I'm sure the NHL will go all, uh, go all out for it, and probably, get, you know, looking to pop some TV ratings, but uh, I don't know, that was, that was a rather weird announcement for, given these circumstances of the world we find ourselves in right now. It's expensive as hell, too. Yeah. The refrigeration and to make sure that the ice conditions are really optimal and the glare from the sun. Like, there's all kinds of things that go into this. And it's just a money pit. Yeah. But the thing is, is, yeah, with fans there, it's an experience. And it's an excuse to charge, you know, 200 bucks a ticket to go see, you know, this outdoor experience. And I've heard Lake Tahoe is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know anybody that's been there. <laughs> I just I've been I don't there. know. <laughs> is, is it as beautiful as everybody says? Yeah, yeah. I was there. Uh, this was probably about eight years ago. Um, I went with a buddy of mine, and we actually hiked to the tallest point at Lake Tahoe. It was uh, Mount. Was it? I forget the Mount Talak. We it was an all day hike, and we got to the highest point in Tahoe, and and we got to the summit. And there was an older couple from Germany that was yodeling. <laughs> and, uh, it was pretty cool. It was awesome. But it is an absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I mean, it's like it's another world, I mean, especially from folks that live on the East Coast or in the Midwest or something that might not be used to that kind of dramatic scenery. I mean, it is it is unbelievably picturesque. Um, snow-capped mountains surrounding a, like a huge, huge lake. I'm not sure. I mean, like you guys said, like it would have been an awesome road trip. This would have been so freaking cool if if they allowed fans and we had you know the resources to get out there or something because it it'd be it'd be majestic. You know, a hell of a lot better than going over to Pittsburgh and watching them at Heinz Field like <laughs> I did a few years ago. You know, you know with them. But um, it's. I don't know what you're going to look at. I mean, I guess they're going to show the drones, you know, with the scenery behind the ice, and that's the draw. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. If nobody's there, then, yeah, what the hell's the point? Yeah, I I don't know what the point is there, but uh, I don't know. 
guess we'll wait and see what goes on there. But uh... and the ice doesn't actually freeze over on the lake there. Or I, I mean, it kind of does if it gets cold enough, but it wouldn't be sufficient to have a game on 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 the saying, lake. It itself. Doesn't, I was gonna say that's my thought. Is like they're not actually having it on the lake, so that's just another no. thing. You picked a weird place. Why don't you do it in you know? scenic nowhere canada you know when it's cold and you don't have to worry about maintaining the ice or something just feels yeah, like a league that's complaining about money here and you're gonna go to lake tahoe to have outdoor games with no fans it is a bit random i mean it's not even and some people were like oh well why didn't they get you know the sharks to go because they're close i mean san jose isn't that close to it it's still a few hour drive it's not like it's you know within the greater san jose area i mean this is like basically northwest of sacramento it's a it's a few hours from san jose so it's it is it is pretty remote they also do have a lot of major snowstorms especially that time of year um which actually could be cool if there's like a foot of snow that they're playing in or something but um yeah it's a it's a it's a curious location for an nhl game isn't there a casino there yeah. So yeah. so the border Wade, of California Wade and Nevada Newton or uh, or Mike uh, Goulet will uh, <laughs> sing the national anthem. Robert Goulet. Yeah, and I I think that I forget the resort that this is going to be. They're, they're I think they're building the rinks um, next to a couple of greens on a golf course that they typically have um, some tournament. I don't know if it's a PGA tournament or not every year. And I don't I think it's still on the California side. I'm not sure if it's on the California or Nevada side because the state border goes right through the middle of the lake. So half of it is in California, half of it is in Nevada. And once you get to the Nevada side, that's where all the gambling and the casinos are. Is Wayne Newton still alive? I think he is. I have no idea. Wayne Newton, oh yeah, look at that. Still alive. Hmm. 78 years old. About to be 79 this year. Is he still 70. doing a uh, tour? Is he still touring? <laughs> <laughs> huh. Let's see. At this point, I would be tempted if somebody said, hey, you want to go see Wayne Newton tonight? I'd be like, you know what? I'm dying to go see a concert. Like, I don't care what it is. Let's go and get something. <laughs> go see a Wayne Newton show because you're starred or everything else. Well, Tahoe's not that far away from some of the um... – uh, some of the gentlemen's clubs in Nevada up there near Reno. So if this was a typical road trip, those guys could get away out to the Bunny Ranch or something. Oh, that must be where there's – it's either Reno or Tahoe where there's like a, a famous bar and there's a big white line in the middle of the bar. And apparently one side of the bar you're in California, I think, yeah. or – and the other side, you're in Nevada, where like whores and gambling and after hours <laughs> drinking are all like legal. And the other half is that's where all like the born again Christians are. Oh my God. Imagine if this was like a regular year and like Michael Del Zotto was on one of these teams. But they'd be going out, they'd be going out to like four whorehouses during the road trip. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for the bubble? <laughs> oh man is vegas one of the ones going out there who are the other ones it's colorado was one and colorado was the west team yeah who the hell are they playing i think they are playing vegas i think you're right yeah, i think so better play vegas right there the why do we have to travel over boys. there for whores and booze we've got whores and booze here it's kind of a lot i mean 
that's a, a long drive because Vegas is at the very southern tip of Nevada and Tahoe is up near the northern part. It's probably like an eight-hour drive. It is Vegas. That. Vegas and Colorado. Yeah. Boston and Philly. I mean, people are like, oh, why are they doing it? Well, I mean, at least they're in the same division. So realistically, you know, they're not going to break the, the divisional COVID boundaries here or anything. They're sticking within the uh, their own mess. But, yeah, I don't know. What a weird... Uh, what a weird... I don't know. I just heard that news the other day and was baffled. I thought it was a joke at first. I'm like, nope, they're actually having outdoor games with fans right now. So... Yeah, they wanted to do something up um, in Banff, I think, up in Canada at... Um, what was the... What was the uh, uh, Manny? What's the big lake up there that people go to in Banff? Uh, is it Lake Louise? I think I've never yes. been up there, and I've always wanted to. I was hoping to go actually this past summer, but of course, COVID happened, so couldn't go out last. But I believe it is Lake Louise. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like pristine, clear, ice blue waters. It's picturesque. Was the yeah. word? Yes. Yeah, I think there was a rumor about the NHL trying to do something there, but because it is a national park, there were other restrictions on like signage and things that the league could do from you know a commercial standpoint. Uh, obviously, in Tahoe, that is typically not a problem. Um, so, so that's probably why they chose that location uh, rather than Lake Louise. But I have yeah, Lake Louise is on my my hit list too because um, there's just so many. I mean. You just do one Google image picture, like, holy shit, this is, like, otherworldly. That's the one thing I will give the NHL credit for, is they do get really good ideas for outdoor games. Um, And that's not just the NHL. Like, I remember Ottawa wanted to do one right at the nation's capital, the Parliament Buildings of Canada. Mm -hmm. That would have been tremendous. But security reasons and all kinds of nonsense they, they decided against it and the other cool one was uh, the khl wanted to do one in red square in moscow oh, yeah it would have been like really cool but also really eerie because you've got like you know all the the kremlin and saint basil's cathedral there and probably vladimir putin will be the starting 3c at on one of the teams <laughs> does he still play in those in those exhibition games oh he always play he don't play he dominates <laughs> There was, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I was watching some sort of highlight video of one of those games a few years ago. And like he scored like seven or eight goals, obviously. And he's like half the speed of everyone else on the ice. And the goalies are like, like he's like slowly moving the puck at the net because he can't shoot that hard. And the goalies are like flopping around like it's just. Like they're doing what the, the they're world. doing what the Flyers goalies do at the carnival with the little kids. They just stand there, and then once yeah. the puck goes through, then you fall down in the butterfly, and the puck's already in the back of the net. It's like, oh shit! How do you score yeah, that? They one? do it's like a, a sideways somersault. Like, yeah, oh my yeah. god, it sucks so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you block it, then they know better. Yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah. block your shot. Or be, it'll magically disappear. <laughs> oh shit. So, yeah, I guess those are the outdoor games and it would be. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it would be awesome if 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 we could make a road trip out of something like this, because it 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 would be worth the money to get out there. It's such it's such a cool place to hang out, especially if into like any winter sports like skiing, snowboarding, anything like that. Um, It would be awesome. Yeah, well, doesn't sound like that's going to happen, though. (laughs) Nope. Well, they'll play there once, and then their next outdoor game will be in the parking lot at the Wells Fargo Center. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Break man. a couple of uh, fire hydrants and let it nature take its course. It'll yeah, freeze over go. and start a game. 
Oh, man. Well, I'm going. Eh, it's been a bit of a long show. That's fine. Got enough else going on these days, right? I think we'll uh, call it a day here as I try and frantically find the name of the guest Anthony Brown. <laughs> what the fuck was his name? The Rangers guy for the Athletic. Uh, Rick Carpaniello, I believe is how you pronounce that last name. He will be on the show Wednesday. Uh, I'll get a bit of a look behind enemy lines and one of the more interesting teams in the Metro Division. And uh, that's Wednesday. I believe Sisterly Pod returns next weekend. Uh, we're doing an angry negative show, uh, I believe, with Anthony on Friday night as well. So, shows are picking back up here, everybody. Uh, maybe we'll be back before the season. I think I want to do some kind of roundtable on the 12th. Um, we'll see. i got to figure all this shit out yet. <coughs> I'm not used to scheduling podcasts anymore. I'm rusty. And then we'll do a, there's definitely an anger negative post game happening on uh, the the first game of the season on Wednesday, the 13th. So we'll be back uh, with all the news. I should know more by the Anthony show. We'll get a better schedule out to everybody. Um, but uh, until then, at Dan the Flyer fan, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pod, at Angry Negative, and at Heart Countdown. Uh, all the socials there. We're also, uh, Brotherly Puck is also on Facebook and Instagram. So check that out if you uh, are not already following that stuff for, uh, you know, different articles and, and links and whatnot. Uh, Mike, where can people find you on Twitter? At Flyer underscore AF. Guys, I choked to death with the mic muted here. Manny, give your Twitter. <laughs> uh, Manny Benavidez, M-A-N-N-Y-B-E-N-E-V-I-D-E-S. And as always, uh, look for stuff on brotherlypuck.com. And guys... Make sure you subscribe to our podcast, our newest podcast here, uh, Flyer, Frequent Flyer. There you go. And join, <laughs> and join the Mile High Club and make sure that you do that. <laughs> For all the good content, Sisterly Pod is on, Angry and Negative, Flyers AD, Brotherly Pod is the place to be. And uh, the Shane Show has been back as well. Shane will be back. At some point, probably the fireside chat, the fireside that's chat, right. the other new one. That's Way to spoil right. it, Manny. <laughs> but uh, until next time, everybody, goodbye and good night. Yeah.